1: Welcome back to the Talking Journey podcast, where we talk everything Ireland, Irish, in movies, comics, TV shows, and more. I'm here with my co-host, Commander Rob Cross of the First Irish Infantry, <laughs> <laughs> and of Hi. course my name is Stuart MacNamara. <laughs> Hello,
2: comrade. It's
1: <laughs> <laughs> not go that far.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, how are you doing, too? Not too bad, no, but uh, Rob, how are you? Yeah, grand. been working hard and we've got very... We're hardly working, am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> how, how about a picture of a cat that uh, you know, says, hang on in there, Kitty, or another one about... Oh, it. that's what we all need in being, these, being, these trying being times. Being crazy is not a requirement to work here, but it can, in fact, help. <gasps> <It> can? <laughs> Sign me up, sir. Yeah, the weather's nice today, at least, if not a bit temperamental. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Irish weather, temperamental, I wouldn't have it.
2: <laughs> anyway
1: So this week I think we'll talk A little bit about Irish weddings Yes Something that You might have a bit more uh, Knowledge of than I do
2: Well I'm on my third wife So oh, of course you know that. You know, know, know that works I, I'm not I think going to Kill me when she hears this <laughs> Yeah so I, I suppose We were kind of talking A little bit about this Because of course In the film Michael Collins There is You know he's, He gets engaged in it We, we won't say how The, how the engagement <laughs> goes Quite yet But you know maybe. It's a happy ending right Right um, um, Right. Yeah, sure.
1: I <laughs> will find out soon. <laughs> if
2: you're interested, you don't want to know how it turned out for Michael Collins, look away. <laughs> but yeah, but I, I suppose we have kind of a, a way of doing things in this country with a lot of kind of, you know, even like when people are born to when they die to when they get married to things like that that maybe are a bit different to people. And I, I think, yeah, working mostly with, heavily influenced by the Catholic Church. Yeah, but even guiding the, the country for Sudan. So and even other kind of things like that. I think working with people from a variety of different countries and backgrounds over the years, I've kind of learned that they look at an Irish wedding as like well, that's very different than like, how we do it in our country and then there's even even English people saying it's it's a little bit different. So I, I suppose it maybe it is kind of more of a culturally significant thing that we maybe give a credit for. Well, I mean, look, any reason for a sesh, we're going to have a sesh. I think that kind of boils down to it. it, it it's it's uh, the, the great kind of Irish thing of getting together, having a few drinks and having a bit of fun and meeting yeah. people. and it, That's kind of central to a lot of what we do. I suppose even more morbidly with a funeral. I mean, you, know, you have the wake where everyone yeah. comes and says it's terrible, they bring sandwiches and you have a few drinks and you probably end up in the pub and talking about how much you miss the person. and It's, it's much more a celebration of their life as opposed to thinking about how they've kind of gone, in the sense. Yeah, of course. But I suppose, moving on from death to <laughs> weddings, <laughs> I suppose wedding is you, you have the honeymoon, I suppose, afterwards. Um, yes, which, that's, well, that's how it that's, traditionally goes. I well, mean, f- <laughs> so, but that was I meant. I meant. I meant to say like um, bachelor party, but I I, I, I. I meant. I meant. I meant to say stag, and I just said honeymoon popped into my brain there, so it, it, uh, edit that out. Um, I will not. Yeah. So so I suppose it, it kind of starts with you propose to someone. No. Real it. Oh yeah. Over <laughs> like, the so,
1: internet, right? You Propose on a Russian.
2: Oh yeah, that's dating but, site. It's it's like the old uh, Brendan From, Grace's father the bride thing. He, he says, I'd like to marry your daughter and I says, All right, you you've seen her mother he goes, I have, but I'd sooner marry your daughter <laughs> <laughs> I mean of course
1: you have to make sure you have enough cattle first. Yeah. Dowries are very important.
2: Yeah, we I suppose in, in some of the other work we've 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 reviewed, dowries are there. That as far as I'm aware, that's not something that's still practiced amongst us in you know, yeah, I mean, Ireland.
1: Historically. A dowry would have been a very important part of it, as would maybe having mm-hmm. land as well.
2: I think it's still an aspect to some people, like you know, you'd you'd you kind of it's say a bit, a bit rural, of road frontage or like a bit of land is what people would say. So, kind of marrying into land, is, yeah. is, is it was, was kind of more of the thing. So it was great when <clears> there was lots of land, but now it's just
1: cut down into smaller and smaller chunks.
2: Yeah, so. Well, that's modern society for you, too. Yeah. So then anyway, you, you go off and get married. And I suppose it's, it's very much kind of a two step process because as we kind of talked a little bit before, we, you don't have to have a civil and religious marriage separately in this country. It's pretty much that a lot of other places, I suppose in the UK in particular, or like in America, you know, you have to go to the clerk and like, county courthouse or whatever and get the the marriage cert and then you'll go off and have your religious ceremony or whatever you want. The two of them are very separate. But here, uh, certainly with Catholic and Church of Ireland, I I can't speak for perhaps other faith communities as much but you know the, the priest they're they're able to solemnize marriages legally as well as obviously whatever your, your your flavor of religion is and not to say of course you can't have an entirely civil marriage if you if you if you so choose yeah. but that's you know it, uh, generally I, i've only ever been to one of those and it was in the uk so i can't speak to that so yeah generally it's you know you, you so generally like the you know, the groom will I, I was like they have a pint with like the best man before they go to the church a pint or seven uh, a few maybe <laughs> <laughs> um, so then they, they go in and anyway they're, they're waiting then the, the, the bride will be walked up the aisle by her, her father or, you know whatever and you know they have the religious ceremony and then afterwards so certainly with the Catholic churches I've been to it's the priest will take them into the back room uh, along with their two witnesses you know the best man and the you know the bridesmaid and then they'll actually the legal process there assigning the the document signing the register and like they have their two witnesses there as well and so by the time you leave the church and you're having all the lovely photos taken outside, you're both r- religiously and civilly married. So it's actually It's, it's actually yes. I mean I've said that to Peter, like, oh really do the whole thing as and get the whole thing done in an hour. Like there's a match on afterwards. I'm sure the priest will do it pretty, do it pretty quick for you. A ten minute mass. <laughs> I've seen them. Uh so generally then it's um you you go to the reception, uh, as as we would kind of call it in, in this country. I suppose like the afters, or I don't know if there's any other word Americans would use for that too. So it's just the after, the the kind of yeah. the party after the, the the ceremony, if you will. So and generally, it's going back to a hotel function room is is pretty much the way it's been done. Yeah. Um,
1: and at this, most of the relatives and some of the bridesmaids. Get very, very drunk. And I suppose the grooms win as well, of course.
2: Yeah, uh, well, I, I think particularly the grooms himself uh, for some of the weddings I've been at still. Yeah. I mean, he's been he's been carried to bed before the bride a lot of times. But it's, no, I, I think it would be very much, you'd be in a hotel function room, there'd be a lot of large circular tables. Um, there'd probably be like. I, I don't know if this is much now, definitely some of the weddings I was at for like my, my aunt godmother and all that, there was like a head table at the very top of the room, it was like kind of a big long line, that was like the you know the, the bride and groom would be there, like the, the, the bride and groom's parents would be there, the priest would generally be there, the best man and all that, and that's where all the speeches become. coming from.
1: being a priest is a great job, you get to go to the weddings in the afters.
2: <laughs> Well, I mean it was like a half a week, <laughs> I think generally it was you wouldn't invite the priest back because you it would like if he was in your parish you'd know him particularly in smaller areas, but I suppose, maybe less so now. I don't think I'd be doing that myself, but and generally, that's where all the speeches come from, see so obviously the the best man will make kind of the other you know, the the comedic speech about the the groom, yeah. telling all a few embarrassing stories, and some of it I've heard have been pretty horrific, yeah, yeah, I think it's there's there's acceptable levels of how. You know, Don't worry,
1: Rob. I have a few ideas for you.
2: <laughs> I just saw what you were looking at. <laughs> yeah. And all that. And then generally, the father of the bridal will, will make a speech. If you'd like to see an example of this, the, the Irish comedian Brendan Grace does a, a fantastic routine of called the father of the Bride. He's basically giving that speech at the wedding while he's absolutely blind drunk. And it's, you know, hilarious. You know, he just goes, remember my daughter said she was going to marry someone. And I said, is it someone you know? <laughs> At, uh, mm-hmm. My daughter could have married a man that was working. My daughter could have married a man who wasn't working, but was willing to find work. <laughs> um, and why
1: would you do that when you could be on the dole every week?
2: <laughs> Jesus, cut that
1: out. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't making the classes. I was doing something.
2: Jesus Christ. Oh,
1: now it's only certain classes who t- get the dole. That's that's something
2: else. Uh, I'm not even going to get into this anymore. Uh, cut this. I don't know. I mean, I've always found that there... Wedding cakes in Ireland is generally they're not always like kind of on three different pillars. If you know what I mean, tears, tears. Yeah, <laughs> that's really is. I'm not a, of course, a baker would know.
1: It's just a cake. You should know what
2: tiers of a cake are. Anyway, and I've always found it's like this kind of white icing on the very thick white icing, and then it's, it's also like marzipan like, or something, isn't it? Yeah, and then kind of fruit. It's almost like the kind of Christmas cake thing. If you know, what I mean. it's like fruit cake inside. Almost every wedding I've been at. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just
1: I think there's supposed to be like a different cake for each tier.
2: All right, amazing. Then you
1: put like the fruit cake in for like ten year anniversary because you put it in the freezer. Ah, right.
2: Some weird, some, shit like yeah. That. There's something like that about keeping like a slice of wedding cake. I know like marriage and Homer do it in The Simpsons. I, I my parents haven't. I, <laughs> I remember I asked them that once, though. No. But um, I remember the YouTuber Ashens actually. Someone sent him in the 25 year old wedding cake from his parents, and he he he, tried, he ate some of it. I think he was very unwell. Look it up on YouTube. But uh, I, I suppose then it really breaks into the party. Like they'll kind of break out the dance floor. There's always like a wedding band, and they'll play the kind of you know. The safer kind of pop songs, Uh, and then they play some of the oldies, and it'll be like
1: the Macarena, yeah,
2: and uh, Rock the Boat. And everyone's down on the floor, yeah, rowing like something for because like you got kids. You're probably going to have kids here. There's always kids at an Irish yeah. wedding. I think There's all hours a kid's at an Irish. Table. And you know the the grandparents, the you know the bridal the party. They, they want you want a kind of music that everyone will like. And like have the kids stuff on early, and like have the slow set a bit later for like the that. And of course, before all of that happens, after the speeches, they'll have the first dance between the bride and groom, generally, and they, whatever whatever song they like. And it's. The dancing and the seshing happens. There's probably a DG on afterwards and it'll, it'll probably wrap up about half two or three o'clock. Yeah, it wraps up and then the re-wedding party starts, am I right? In the, in the residence party. Uh, hey, no, no. <laughs> That's not what I mean at all. We have different ideas of what we're doing <laughs> on <about this. laughs> um, But I think as well, something that a few people pointed out to me, particularly Polish people... Um, they're like, wait, you have to pay for the drinks at a wedding? I'm like, yes. Like, I mean, I know generally it's the, but not always the father of the bride traditionally paid for it. But I'm like, you hear that now? Shut up. Uh, of course, for, just of so course, someone knows. Of course, that's not, <laughs> of course, that's not how things work out anymore. And I was, uh, <laughs> and I, and I was just like saying to him, was like, do you think you trust a bunch of Irish people with an open bar at a wedding? Oh yeah, you'd it, be absolutely like, you'd be out of money in five minutes. It's not, it's not even <laughs> that Irish
1: weddings. You'd have about 100, 200 <laughs> people there. Yeah. You'd have 200 cases of alcohol poisoning if you had an open bar. Yeah. Legitimately.
2: Because I think we have to just say as well, like, we, now, compared to some uh, traditions, like, I think particularly, like, some people in India, we we wouldn't be having quite the, the level of people at their wedding, like, all their family. Yeah, but... You know, but we, we I think we, you would be inviting, you know, obviously your, your close friends, you know, your, your parents, you'd be inviting their brothers and the sisters and their... Plus ones and yeah, but I think generally you'd have a well over 150 people at a wedding. Oh, like it it'd be like um, very much a lot of the community coming as well. Particularly like in small villages, the whole village is there.
1: Oh yeah, at least for the afters.
2: Yeah, at least for the afters. Like I think like the ceremony is kind of seen as being more intimate and a bit kind of more family and close friends only. But like the reception would be much more. You know, like your your third cousins and your. But, uh, and then it just goes on and on, and, yeah, and then the bride and groom are off on their honeymoon. Uh, not before the wedding, as I suggested earlier. Uh, look,
1: you, we're not here to tell you when you can and cannot have your honeymoon. You if you want, want to do it before, after, during, I mean, you have the wedding. You have the, you have the ceremony, you go on your honeymoon, you come back and you have the afters. <laughs> right. Whatever you want to do, do it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose as well. So, I mean, that's kind of the what I would say the traditional kind of Irish wedding is, and then you drag yourself back to wherever you live in the country afterwards on a Sunday morning Oh yeah, the, yeah. the
1: morning after is probably the worst and it, then you go to a different pub later on in the day to celebrate even more.
2: Generally you'll see uh, yeah, generally you would see the bride and groom off Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's kind of in, in a nutshell, that's the Irish wedding I suppose th- there is kind of an increasing move towards doing kind of non-religious ones so you, like, you can do a civil, just the civil service in this country, up, if you go like up to the registry office in you know, any, any kind of county hall, you can just get it done there. and But, I mean, they'll they'll actually do nice enough ones. I mean, they, you can get, like, a one of the nicer rooms in there, have a bit of music coming in, and, you know, they're just not allowed to have any reference to God, and it has to be purely yeah. kind of legal, if you will, and maybe a bit cold, but you can do that. And,
1: I think I the most important note to talk about with uh, Irish weddings is that we were the first country in the world to vote by referendum to allow gay
2: marriage. That's right. Um, I, I suppose I was actually I was getting to that gradually. <laughs> Um Yes, we had a referendum in 2016 about legalising same-sex marriage, and yeah, we passed overwhelmingly. Yeah, it was fantastic to see, because people are coming home
1: <laughs> from Australia... America, Home everywhere. Vote, yeah, everyone came back to vote on this, when,
2: and it went very well. With the way, just to kind of briefly say, with the way our constitution works, if if you want to change the constitution in this country, you have to have a referendum. So, like the whole, all the all Irish citizens living in the country get to vote on it. It's just yeah. simply yes or no. Um, we're like one of the few countries in the world that actually have that process. I I know Australia was talking about having one at the time, but they didn't actually need to. It was just because the government were you know, trying to copy us and take the coward's way out of actually making a decision.
1: Well, it was more, I assume <laughs> they were hoping that
2: it would be a no vote. Mm, yeah. Anyway, we'll see. Yeah. But, and, uh, I but, think... that, but I remember it being quite nice that day. I remember, yeah, it was, good. Like, it was we, a great
1: feeling I, to see I, it.
2: I, I was there with a close friend who is um, not straight, but he didn't have a vote um because he's, he there's no Irish citizenship yet. And I remember he... Waited outside, while I went in and voted. And you know, we we remember we were talking, and we went out that night into town with a few people, and we were drinking. And as soon as we saw the exit poll, like we were waiting till ten o'clock to see the exit poll, because you know we're th- we're like well, this will probably pass. I mean, we're we're kind of a liberal country, but yeah. we weren't sure. And then when we saw the the thing, and it was what well, was about like sixty three percent yes, yeah, something huge. It was something huge, quite a good majority. I think we all thought it would pass, like by. Skin of her teeth. Well, I wouldn't say that. But I mean like, you know, it, I thought it would pass by maybe a bit tight, but that was such a large margin. And I just remember, you know, going around the the pub that night and seeing all people like wearing like rainbow flags and like having all the thing on just, yeah, it was cr- a good just celebration. crying. It was really nice.
1: So uh the <laughs> last thing before we head on to the actual movie is uh the weird thing about Irish weddings is that a lot of famous people like to have them. So uh I look down through, people uh, get married, my god. A quick list. So some of the very notable ones include Paul McCartney. Mm-hmm. And Heather Mills, I think it was. Victoria and David Beckham. They got married in, Maryland. Maryland, in Ireland. Yep. Uh, Tony Hawk. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> just Radical. Out of the blue. Um, someone from uh, one of our old episodes, Amy Huberman. Well, I mean, um, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah like Brian O'Driscoll.
2: O'Driscoll. Second best Irish rugby player.
1: <laughs> um, it just says Pierce Brosnan, so it won't tell me who he actually got married to. But he got married.
2: Well, he was married to Cassandra Harris. Um, this is Julie
1: think... Shane Smith now it's came up.
2: Oh, okay. Well, that, Cassandra was his first wife. I, I She died of cancer, yeah. unfortunately. I, and, I, uh, I, yeah.
1: Would you believe it that Bono got married in Ireland now?
2: Oh, that insufferable. Shocking. Really. I mean, Ali Houston is his wife. She seems, she generally yeah. seems like a lovely person, but I, I think he's an insufferable twat.
1: And, uh, my brain kinda of went dead for a second. So did I say Elton John?
2: No. Oh did he?
1: I didn't know. I'm pretty that. sure Elton John got married here. Yeah. Maybe I'm mistaken. Either well, way, we're gonna claim it anyway.
2: I don't think it well it wasn't legal in this country to marry a fella at the time.
1: We'll never find out. So <laughs> on I mean, the maybe, movie.
2: maybe he had his own wedding over here. You know what, Elton, you you be you. Yeah.
1: So onto the movie anyway, which this week is Michael Collins, which is obviously based on true events. Yep. And it's the story of Michael Collins and the kind of struggle for it, uh, independence in the Republic. And then that, the subsequent civil war. Yes, that <laughs> Ireland went through uh, from 1916 onwards.
2: Yeah, I suppose we, we, we've we kind of talked about this topic before, like with yeah, the foreigner. And we, and
1: we definitely will again, because yeah, it, it's, such it's an the, important the pivotal virus. moment in
2: our country's history in a lot of ways. I think just to kind of, before we get into the film, just to kind of I, I, I talk about this whole independence movement. We've kind of touched on this before, but... Y- like this is, we're, we're kind of hitting the centenaries at the moment for, for a lot yeah. of these things. And like they call this, this kind of decade from like 9, 2016 onwards is the decade of centenaries. Cause the Britain were like, Oh yeah, well, well, all our ones with like the first world war We were like, Yeah, but we have like our first doll in 1919 and we have like the start of the war, yeah, independence, Easter the and- Easter rising and all that. But we're, we're kind of reaching the stage now where we're getting into like, you know, this, the start of, um, really the War of Independence and we're, we're going to in the next kind of two years be hitting this is when the Anglo-Irish Treaty came into effect yeah. and all that and then we get into the Civil War centenaries which is much more divisive and yeah. we'll obviously talk about that a little bit but I suppose just to say as well we do learn a, about this a lot in school yeah. like I know I did in primary school I did history for my Leaving Cert as well so we, we got a lot of you are taught a lot about this and I think depending on where in the country you're from and yeah, you're probably kind of, a bit different the gist of what your teacher maybe views um You might get a different version of it. I know I got two very different versions of it in school. One from a a teacher from... Clonacilty in West Cork, where Col- near Collins were from, was from. Another one who was much more of a took a very differing view on on Michael Collins and De Valera. Let's just put it that way.
1: Well, look, it's almost a centenary, and here's hoping for round two where we get out the current bunch of jackasses <laughs> in <the> government. <laughs> am I right?
2: Am I right? I, I suppose as well because it, it we, we did this a, a little after the anniversary of Collins' death. Yeah. Um, it, it was the like, 22nd of August, I believe, or 23rd, and we, we couldn't quite do that, but we're going to do it. and I suppose it is saying that... The, the two sides that formed out of the civil war like Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, are actually together in a government now along with the Green Party so I suppose it's in a sense it's kind of significant yeah. in contrast to you know as we'll talk in about how if only were, they acted but... any
1: differently basically the same side of the same coin
2: yeah for the last hundred or so years I so, suppose in you the know, way it is
1: <laughs> so this film was directed by Neil Jordan uh, I was looking through other things that he's done because the this film is directed very well like it's shot masterfully and uh, you can see that with some of his other movies like he did uh, Interview with a Vampire very good Uh, what else there's something about you two in here so I'm not even going to get into that because we all know too much about you two, apparently. Yes. Um, And he also wrote uh this and interview with a vampire. Yeah, it,
2: it seemed very much because I, 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 I actually watched this on DVD because we, we had this on DVD and I remember like flicking through the special features on it the other day. This is very much a passion project for him and he, he was very much into it and I think yeah. he kind of, he really did cast it very well. I know he wasn't necessarily involved in the casting. But I think he did a pretty good well, job. Well, I think him. the
1: director probably has a bit of a say. A it's bit of a say. Smidge of a, I, but, a say. Yeah, though. but
2: I think he did. A, I think he overall he did a good job. Yeah. We'll talk about the issues with the writing and accuracy later. Yeah. But from a pure filmmaking perspective, good job.
1: Yeah. So then, in terms of the cast, we obviously have Liam Neeson as Michael Collins himself. Uh, you might know him as Sogangjin. Or any number of other characters in the, some great movies. The lad from Taken. Exactly. The, t- the Taken guy. He, t- he takes people or something. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever happens in that movie. Uh, who else have we got then? We have Aiden Queen who's Harry Boland. You might
2: remember from our last review. Yeah, another big name. Uh, Stephen Ree as Ned Broy. You also might remember from our last review. Yes. There's Pierce Brosnan playing uh, Kitty Ken Oh, wait, that's Julia Roberts. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got the two movies mixed up there for a yeah. second. Alan Rickman
1: as Eamon DeVallera. Yeah, we'll get Yeah. I, <laughs> it's going to
2: be all Alan Rickman jokes. I, I got I to say, like, I don't know who cast Rickman as Dev, but it was a very interesting choice.
1: Like, it, it works in a weird way. I mean, it's hard now. Obviously, when this was made, you couldn't. Connect him to Snape from Harry Potter. I know you can't really, yeah, because you haven't seen. I've him. seen
2: the first two films. Yeah,
1: I think someone needs to get onto that. But uh, <laughs> look, it's very hard for someone who has seen all the Harry Potter movies and sees what a great performance he does there.
2: Well, you see, I kind of think I agree, but I I always think of him more in from like Die Hard uh, oh, so as like Hans Gruber. So you're saying is, the, big
1: game in Devil Era is uh, the Hans Gruber of uh, Ireland? Yes, interesting, interesting yes. choice. <laughs> Now there's a movie. If they remade Michael Collins, I'm perhaps... afraid I'm
2: afraid Mr. Collins won't be joining us for the rest of his life.
1: Look, that that's a movie right there. Obviously, R.I.P. <laughs> Alan Rickman, but if he was still alive. Remake this movie, but it's in Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: Harry, how does the same shit happen to one <laughs> same guy twice? <laughs> Someone needs to make that film.
1: <laughs> so uh, the other big one, as Rob kind of half said, is Julia Roberts as Kitty Kiernan, and the, like there were many other
2: like Brendan Gleeson yeah, has Brendan a, a non serious is... role. He plays Liam Tobin. Uh, you got Ian Hart playing. Um... Joe O'Reilly, who I believe is actually a composite character. He's like the lad with the mustache who follows him around. Yeah. um,
1: Um, Great movie. What is it? Nominated for two Oscars. Yeah. So can't really say much more. Also, just to mention as well,
2: although briefly in the film, the excellent Charles Dance as Soames, yeah. who's the head of the Cairo gang. Oh, you'd almost blink and you'd miss him kind of thing, but I think he has such a... There's one scene in particular we'll talk when he's he's in the castle talking to Ned Broy and he's just got this such an imposing presence because he's like towers oh, yeah. for over for him he just all has the, anyway. the, the, de- the, the, the proper upper Eng- English accent. It's just... He's such a great presence when he's on the scene. A screen. It's just a shame that he has a very brief appearance in the film as, yeah. we, as we'll discuss.
1: So we'll go down through it once again. I think... uh we're kinda of giving up on the whole spoiler-free spoiler. Since most of these movies that yeah we're reviewing are I think this was ninety-six. This was ninety six. Yeah. So <laughs> if you haven't seen it by now, probably should get on it. Like
2: if you don't know what happens to Michael Collins and Dale Nabla, I I you know, from Irish history, I maybe you you're you're hearing about it now for the first time, but definitely look it up. There's a lot there and you'd yeah. be surprised to find out what happens to it. We take our history very seriously. Yeah.
1: So I mean the movie starts with an opening crawl. Which actually gives you goosebumps right from the get go. Because it really, like, it's almost, I suppose, old fashioned in a way to put in an opening crawl. Obviously, Star Wars does it, but not many other movies do. But it really just, you
2: need it to set the scene that comes after because it's the bat for the GPO. I think it's important because this was the first real. Irish blockbuster in that time, and I, yeah. I suppose what I what I mean by that is this was like proper Hollywood film about an Irish thing like this with a load of big actors, and specifically a kind of historical one. Like this is about. The same time as Braveheart, which a lot was filmed in Ireland. Yeah, um, and it's in kind of a similar vein. I think I think they're actually very similar movies in a sense because it's about like a national hero fighting against the English or British as as it yeah. were, and you know their their downfall, I suppose, at the end and and what comes out about it so it was very much in vogue at the time and I suppose to a lot of people in America and maybe abroad this would have been their first exposure to hearing about a lot of this so I think it was necessary particularly if you're English and you, you don't learn about this at all in school or any of the things you do yeah, this might come as a shock to you
1: It's quite unfortunate that, it, that British people don't tend to get the bad parts of their history Like maybe that's It's not, completely whitewashed that, that might not be a, bl- uh, a blanket statement that certain places might be taught differently but from yeah. what we understand of it it can be whitewashed I've Quite spoken a bit.
2: to English people and they don't learn about these things. I I, I suppose to certain extent when they hear like the IRA or something, yeah. they immediately think of like the Troubles in the North. We discussed this in the the foreigner when we talked about the IRA, but you always have to say, well, we're talking about the old IRA here and we were fighting for independence, and it was very different from what how things are now. So I suppose yeah. that's it. But context yeah, is but important. We
1: get straight into the kind of the end and surrender uh, at the GPO.
2: Yeah, and no, it,
1: in itself is something to talk about because. <clears throat> one of the big things that came out of that is the loss of the sentence records when it actually happened no, that was,
2: that? no that was actually later that's actually when the, the four courts
1: oh jeez sorry
2: yeah so you're jumping ahead of it there. I, I, I have a separate thing about that actually either way I get confused sometimes <laughs> that's alright see Rob's more of the history guy and I'm kind of a bit more about modern stuff I suppose you could say. Um, So I suppose what 1916 was, it is kind of, this is actually glossed over a lot in the film. It's just kind of the starting point, if you will. And it's talked a little bit, we won't make those mistakes again. There's a lot of history and kind of condensed down here, but in, in the kind of broadest sense, this is the big turning point between us being willing to talk to the, the, the British and us not. so
1: Yeah, I mean, what, 1916, wasn't it seen as almost nonsense by a lot of Irish people? It wasn't... But it wasn't, was it yeah. wasn't supported. It not wasn't supported. All. But then it was the uh, executions of the signatories of the proclamation. Which that is kind shown, of, that, some of yeah, shown. Some of that are shown. And that's, that's the, the real kick in the pants that got the actual revolution started, what, if you will.
2: Well, I suppose, to kind of go into it, what 1916 was at the Easter Rising, the Eyrie mock Os is what it's generally called, Whatever you want to call it, it was a minority of the Irish Volunteers who were kind of a republican. They're pushing for like Irish independence, really. Who wanted to kind of fight more directly for for independence? And it's worth saying the Irish Volunteers were like, you yeah. know, they were marching around and they were doing yeah. their their maneuvers and everything. And there was about a hundred and. Twenty thousand of them at their height in about nineteen fourteen. But of course, as you'll probably guess by the dates, then something happened in nineteen fourteen, yeah. and then uh, you know Europe went to war. Um, and we thought this was our chance. Yeah, well, I know not what not, not, ex- not exactly. You see, it's we had finally through David Lloyd George and well and uh, Herbert Asquith and the Liberal Party, the Irish Parliamentary Party, which was the political way of kind of getting our independence but it wasn't full independence it wasn't being a republic it was home rule is yeah. what, what it was which was we would have our own parliament in dublin again but we'd we'd still have the king as our head of state in like a nominal capacity and we'd let the british look after like external defense and things like that but we'd be able to control our own affairs in in a way from dublin to a large extent and that's what they fought for and they got that in in 1914 it was passed that the, the third home rule act got through Parliament. Every time previously this had gotten through, the Irish Parliamentary Party had supported the Liberal Party and the House of Lords had blocked it. Obviously that the people the, the rich people in the Lords who had a lot of land in Ireland obviously would like to keep it. so
1: I wouldn't so, imagine
2: that now. But this time, because the Lords had blocked the budget that David Lloyd George, he was Chancellor of the Exchequer had tried to pass in nineteen oh nine, they took away the power of the House of Lords to do that, to block things like this. So we actually it was actually like oh, we've just got this bill through the House of Commons and the House of Lords can't block it any longer. We're going to finally be at least somewhat free. Then World War I happens, that gets, this say, okay, we'll have to defer that for the entirety of the war. And generally people are like, yeah, that's, that seems reasonable. And a lot of the Irish volunteers about 100,000 of them do go off and fight in the British Army during World War One. including yeah. like just a lot of my family actually I mean there's a picture up my wall just there of the boat my great grandfather's on in the Royal Navy um, nice. it, it's sinking in the picture you might see <laughs> obviously he got off <laughs> but a minority of the people that stayed behind in the volunteers got in with the, the IRB not the IRA yet the Irish Republican Brotherhood and they, these guys were like the secret kind of Republicans that were pushing for full independence and they were like secret organization. You had to take an oath to get in there. This is very serious stuff. And them combining with the Irish Citizens Army under James Connolly, who you see in the film, who was a, a Scottish man of Irish descent, um, who was really pushing more for like socialism and kind of workers' rights. And he led the, the the strike and lockout in Dublin in 1913, which is the real start of trade unionism in this country. All of that kind of came together with this kind of anti-British thing. And they wanted to march across the country and kind of just say, they're at war. We have our chance now. The Germans have given us some guns because our, our enemy's enemy is our friend. But at the same time, they march under the banner we serve neither King nor Kaiser, but Ireland. Yeah, of course. They'll, they'll use it. And then, But free guns are free guns. But free guns are free guns. But they, they had this plan and they were going to go out on Easter Sunday and they had, you know, the... Uh, about 15,000 volunteers all over the country. And they had like, the ICA and the na Band, which is a women's organisation in Dublin. They were ready to go. But then it gets leaked to the papers that this is going to happen. And then Owen McNeill, who's in charge of the volunteers, says, all, and puts page the, the, in the front page of the paper, full full pages, all manoeuvres on Sunday are cancelled. So a much smaller group goes out. And really, it's just, it really only happens in Dublin. It doesn't really happen across the rest of the country. And they take over a few places in, in the city, not just the GPO, which is the General Post Office. That was the main, the one they had taken over. It wasn't it was the, the, the Sackville Street it was at the time, O'Connell Street now. That was the c- centre of the city. They took over the Royal College of Surgeons as well, Boland's Mill, um, a, a bunch of other places there too. And it, it, it was... It went on for about a week, but eventually, as you kind of see in the film reasonably accurately, they just started shelling the crap out of the GPO. Like, they brought a gunboat, the HMS Helga, up the Liffey, started shelling them. Uh, More civilians died than... Like our British army or Irish yeah, in people in the movie, it was a pretty good recreation. <laughs> yeah. I assume for all the explosions, unless they used the real one. And, but this is the thing, though, and like as we kind of said, the people in Ireland were not in favor of this. Like people, like I said, there, my great grandfather was off fighting, so was his his brother who didn't yeah, survive the war. The Are you having of, a pint while you're shooting at people? There, there was a load of people in this country. They had husbands, they had sons off fighting for the British, and they didn't see that as being anti-Irish because it was they were fighting for our freedom in a sense. So this was not a popular opinion in the streets of them. these people were seen as you've just destroyed our city you've killed uh, about 200 plus of our people and you know why did you do this there was no point to this and that's what the public opinion was right up until as it's shown in the film they execute the leaders and then everything changes that was the yeah, huge some of the most turning points. Respect to people in Irish history, and they were all just shot unceremoniously. And it's it's worth noting as well, where De Valera is in the cell writing the letter. He wasn't executed because he was an American. This is 1916. The Lusitania had been sunk at this time. They were trying to get the Americans to join World War One, so they couldn't do anything that would risk that. And Americans were generally quite pro "Let Ireland be free," so this would be too antagonistic. The only leader that wasn't executed was Countess Markovich because she was a woman. Well, I mean, of course. Yeah.
1: So uh, I think one of the most important scenes in the movie, you know, uh,
2: which really highlights Ireland as a whole, is when they get stuck behind a load of sheep. That I, I love this. <laughs> I, I must say, like, this is, uh, like, Collins and Harry, uh, Bol- Harry Boland, no, another leader at the time, get off a train. They get into the car and they're driving off and they're being followed by, you know, the 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 RIC, the, the Royal yeah. Irish Constabulary. Um, G- The term G-men actually originates in Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. As, as some people might not know. Um... And then yeah, they get then they caught get stuck in, behind a load of sheep. And then he gets up and asks them what what do you eat for breakfast, lads. But yeah, because it's lovely like and
1: cocky. The, the context there being that the conjecture that the that Collins and them have is that the G-men know everything about them so much so that they know what they have for breakfast, and so they're going to have to learn what the other lads eat for breakfast. But it's just it's so funny getting caught behind a load of sheep because it does happen.
2: On uh, old country roads still to this day. I think particularly like the, down that part of that's like West Cork. Like I think that's pretty common. Yeah, there.
1: I mean where we are here, it's kind of more cattle country, if you will. So, yeah, uh, it is. On some of the old old boherines, you might call them, you get stuck behind uh, the
2: cows being moved from field to field. I thought it was a nice
1: little, nice, yeah. it's a nice
2: little kind of lighter scene. Yeah, and then
1: I even suppose. up if you're uh, up in the mountains where the the sheep are kind of allowed to roam free, you uh, on occasion get one right next to the road or walking down the end yeah. of the road and you're just stuck there. So uh quite accurate still happens to yep. this very day so then i think the another great speech you have uh in the square
2: Yeah. So this, this is based on a a real speech that Collins gave. Now, clearly the man was a very, very good uh, speaker. Um, but this is a slight historical inaccuracy, not severe, but this, this is from a a by election that took place in 1917, not 1918, as the film says. Now, I see that as actually fairly harmless. There was not there was a, a general election taking place at the time. So I think it's it's not a it's not an egregious mistake, but yeah. the, the the famous there's a famous picture of Collins standing like by these signposts, doing like you know putting the arm, giving this really making yeah, a very impassioned speech. The
1: the cover for the movie, I think at least it's it's yeah, it's it's, it's, it's
2: uh, Liam Neeson is actually recreating this famous yeah. photograph of Michael Collins, but that's that's what that's from. But yeah, like, I think that's a minor thing. I wouldn't like really
1: you, get too much. You really that. see how great he is at speaking because there's a bunch of uh, police there then and they all start attacking yep. the, the civilians who are kind of open arms at this point and uh
2: well it, it, it's worth saying that this was still in the after effects of, of World War One, and yeah. they, they, they'd forbidden people to meet in large groups and you know, there, there'd been a very big thing in this country as well about they'd wanted to bring in conscription in Ireland because they were, they, because they were just marching men after their deaths in like from out coming out of the trenches, um, in, in France in World War One that they needed to replace them with new men. And then asking politely wasn't really working because it's like, where's like my friends and stuff yeah. like that. So they tried, they already had conscription in the, in Great Britain in the mainland, but they didn't have it over here yet. And, that was a big thing so they were really trying to go against Sinn Féin and everything against that so yeah not an accurate Good. the next big scene then we have a bit of singing
1: we do. Uh, we Irish apparently love a lot of singing not not so much in recent times but in the past obviously before we had radio and television
2: I mean we have si- all singing all you know, sing songs we have like singing bonds now singing Jedis oh we have everything you uh, <laughs> need to get that film where you and McGregor, McGregor sings in which one? Uh, Moulin mm-hmm. Rouge I think he sings the song doesn't he? I know, I know he sings in um... Phantom Men's yeah <laughs> like, here's, a, here's a blues song it's called Death Sticks
1: <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah and obviously we get introduced to Kitty uh, as I'm obviously not as versed in history was she an actual person or yeah, is that she was, yeah, no, she was
2: she was actually Michael Collins' fiance that, yeah, that, just, that, that, that's yeah this whole love triangle with her Collins and Boland, just to say it going forward there's mm, not really historical basis for that some people are like maybe but it's it kind of seems like she was like mad into Collins I, I don't I believe she didn't remarry actually after he died so oh, that's that but look, I mean, at least it was an actual thing that was happening, and not something that they put in just to. Oh no, no, there, there was to the keep, movie. Yeah, I mean, I think the love triangle thing is a bit forced at times, but it wasn't. It's not that bad. Um, yeah. I think Julie Roberts doesn't do a bad job with the Irish accent.
1: Like she's all right. I mean,
2: she's not great, but it's there. Could like there's a lot more, more egregious accents we've discussed yeah. in these films. So yeah, I think she yeah. does a, a fair job. I think, Which like, as well, we I think people say Kitty Kimmy Knervin probably would have had a slightly more upper-class kind of Irish accent. I believe she was originally from kind of properly South Dublin. So I think having a slightly more... Americanized, Yeah, I, I guess I'd, I'd be willing yeah. to kind of let her off with that. I, I think definitely greater Harry Boland's accent is a bit... Yeah. It's a little off at times. Look,
1: I mean, even Liam Neeson <laughs> kind of makes it very lyrical, you know what I mean? But I think he's just such a. But
2: he's just very charming, though. And I, I think that is kind of a good thing. He, oh yeah, it does yeah. well for for what he's doing. And he is like literally bigger. He's literally the big fellow, He's more imposing than he yeah. I think, which is a great little thing they did. Yeah, so he was very well. I think he was perfectly cast for Collins. Oh yeah, perfect. Yeah. Uh, then we have the raid on the barracks, which was actually great. So
1: this is kind of where you start to see the the creation of guerrilla warfare. Yeah, this is
2: a uh, flying Collins. Yeah, and.
1: Just as I think we've discussed before, Ireland being the place that uh, guerrilla warfare started, we basically invented it. Modern guerrilla warfare, really, yeah.
2: I mean, before it was just guerrillas. I I mean, there were Jewish uh, rebels against the Romans, uh, you know, using guerrilla warfare back in the, you know, er, early BCs. I mean, it's worth saying we didn't invent it. Sure. I'll I'll give that one to the Jews. (laughs) You heard it first. One for the Jews. (laughs) They've had a rough time, um... Forever. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. So, but you
1: know, he's like, we we have all these guns, we have no bullets, what are we supposed to do? And he's like, here's a sod of turf with like the, the hook in it. And he's like, that's not a weapon. He's like, yes, it is a weapon. And he just sticks it in the fire. And, and like, so it. what is it now? And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's
2: putting fire in people's faces. Yeah.
1: And it's, it's just a brilliant scene, just chucking all the, the burning turf. Onto the the thatch roof, I think it was, of the uh, RIC barracks. And getting the guns then. then. And then just tricking them. just Like, literally bold-faced. We have no bullets, but we're going to pretend that we do. And hopefully they'll just drop their their guns. Like, if one of them decided to shoot, it would all be over. Like, like, no, they had no bullets. We are going to kill them all. Yeah. But it it worked. Oh, it was great. And then they got all the the proper... He's like, oh, it's Christmas or something, he says. Yes, and they get all the guns, which is great. And, uh... What would you say to to Collins calling himself the minister for Mayhem?
2: Eh, I mean, he was intermittently. Like I think it's worth saying as well, we we did have our own Republican government at the time, and it was. Yeah. We talked about the elections there earlier. They worked for the British House of Commons at the time. The Sinn Fein didn't take their seats. I think we discussed this a little bit before. Um, so we said, "Oh, we're going to stand in your elections, but if our candidates win, in, in contrast to the Irish Parliamentary Party, who who would take their seats, we will." Not take our seats in a British Parliament because we won't we won't swear allegiance to the king, but we're going to actually set up our own Parliament, a doll, um, in Dublin. And they set up their own government as well. And it, it, it's actually kind of a good, as you see, kind of late in the film, they have like cabinet meetings and doll yeah, meetings yeah, yeah. and everything else. They, they set up those. a proper system. Like in, in the other, there's another great film about this called The Wind That Shakes the Barley around the oh, same yeah. kind of time. It, it deals with a lot of the same topics. And in that film, it actually shows it a bit more in that the, you know, we had like doll courts, like we had our own legal system that was set up. We had our own system of local government. We actually had our own police force separate from the volunteers because the volunteers became our army, but We actually had our own police force as well, independent of the British one. So the kind of smart thing, I I think, to give a lot of people credit here is that we set up our own parallel system to the British, so that when I suppose we knew that we were going to become independent, it was already kind of a basis we did off of it. Rather than, I think it is going to work. Hey, I'm
0: Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Mentioning that, that there's a lot more there than people think. And when you see them on a meeting and doing, it wasn't like a Mickey Mouse job. They were actually building a, a state, a functioning state at the time. Yeah, so I think the... the Big twist then
1: is that the G-Man who's been following him the whole time is uh, Ned, bas- Ned Broy yeah who basically just uh, turns on the Brits because of Collins' speeches is that historically accurate
2: or do we no the, the, Ned, Ned Broy is a real character Um, now oh, I'm sure he's a
1: real character though, but but was he real in, <laughs> in the. Ned,
2: Ned Roy did exist. And he, was, he, he wasn't he was Collins' only person that was inside yeah. Dublin Castle. There, there were a few. I'm sure more. they probably just amalgamated. Yeah, well, he, well he, did, he, he was a real person and he did do that, but not to quite. whether he was like the most significant is is a bit debatable there were about two others collins had as well but he did he did make a big impact now there's some inaccuracies with him which we'll get to a little bit later i'm sure but no i mean he he was and he i I think as well Stephen reeve who plays him obviously we we saw him in the previous film um i think quite a good range as an actor because like he's playing more kind of a working class north sider but I think his accent work is quite good here as well. Yeah. He's from the north, and he, we've seen him play like an upper class kind of Dublin person, and now a, a, a kind of more working class kind of Dublin cop and a bit smarmier. Yeah. He's not really the good guy. He's not really the bad guy. He's the guy, as a philosopher Roman philosopher once said. No, nope. uh, but yeah, it just it, it really goes to show how
1: good Collins was at speaking that he was able to turn one of the V-Men over to his side. Well, yeah, but I mean, they were Irish as well. Like, I know, but yeah. y- y- when you're that entrenched in something and you know that if you go against it, you're probably going to get hung.
2: Yeah. It's... Uh, I mean, I, but I think it is worth saying, like, a lot of these cops... This is before the black and tans, like, the British had sent over people. These were still, like, RIC and, like, the Dublin Metropolitan Police. They were Irish people, like, working for the British. Is, yeah. is kind of how it was. And, like,
1: then we get a grey scene that could have been out of James Bond... Where uh, Collins, just bold as anything, wanders right into Dublin Castle. Yeah, where the, <laughs> the British rule the country. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- this is like the most important place in the country for the Brits, like, and he just wanders in because they have no idea what he looks like. Just fucking goes in. It's like. It's great. Oh, just No, not a care in the world. And he gets into the, the file room with all. Yeah. They have uh, files on like Sinn Fein, the IRB, and, the IRB and, and everything. That. And so he's like, anything that comes in here, I want it copied.
2: Yeah. And I, now, I think, as you said, this probably didn't happen in real life. Probably but, not. I mean, you have Col- to have, like Collins,
1: balls of fucking steel. Like, to do Collins that.
2: did have about three people, possibly more, working in the castle, including Ned Broy, and he probably never was physically in there himself until much later. When, like, we we had the castle. So, but it's possible that someone did do something similar to this, from what we can kind yeah, of tell. Did. There's still a lot we don't know about this, because a lot of the records were either destroyed, or they were kind of on the down-low. Yeah. But there's other bits we will come to talk about later, where we don't actually know what happened, because there weren't records kept strictly for reasons.
1: Yeah. yeah. I wonder what reasons those could be. Mm. Um. So, yeah, then Collins decides to uh, threaten all the G-Men, and uh, we get some visceral death scenes. We I mean, do. The first one where he just blows your man's brains out. I was like, oh shit!
2: Like I was coming out of mass.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. There was the the one before that where he's just in the market. Oh, right. And your man just goes right up under his chin. Yeah. And like the back of his his head
2: just blows off. Yeah. And it's like,
1: God damn it. Well, I mean, then the one you're talking about a mass where he, yeah. he what's it? He gets the ass for the paper. Yeah, but uh, that the papers the next day are saying riddled with bullets. It's yeah. Like, Why so do they don't riddling, grow on trees? Doing, <laughs> <riddling> people. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we don't have a lot of them use one yeah because this is them putting together squad, uh, yeah. the squad or the 12 apostles as they were known as well and this is Colin basically said look I'm not fighting on their terms anymore I'm going to get a bunch of people I know I can trust a very small group and they're going to go out and do these kind of underhand like he's not fighting them on their own level
1: yeah it's not a war it's
2: no it, it's it's an insurgency and it's a lot Colin says this in the film and it is it is true that spies have always managed to get into these large things like simply the United Irishmen in 1798 and the, the Athenian uprisings in like 1803 and even 1916 to a certain extent so this was I know I can trust these guys yeah. they're young they have nothing to lose they'll go out and do these things there's kind of another thing talking about who's in the squad you know you have there's there were more than 12 people shockingly <gasps> but it includes people like Sean Lamas, who was later Taoiseach of this country under nice. De Valera because you know they were also on the same side at this point people like Brendan Bean's father was in this as well, um, and Paddy Kearney who was Brendan Bean's uncle, who actually wrote the, the the lyrics for our national anthem around the V, and was a very important writer as well. we in this, and even like we as we talked about, Jews was earlier. There were Jewish people in the squad as well, the Briscoes, who I were know uh, uh, do Jews were actually very supportive of, um, this, uh, the chief rabbi of Ireland at the time, 18 Herzog, who, um, he was called the Sinn Fein rabbi because he used to, <laughs> he used to, he used to shield them. But I mean, the thing was, Collins was kind of smart because he had Protestants and she was working for them and he could have them do things that his other Catholic men couldn't, because he was a devout Catholic, they couldn't follow the British into Protestant churches because at the time you'd be excommunicated if you went in there, even if you were, you know, weren't doing you have kind of somewhat ambivalent towards this, but okay. he was starting to realize, oh, these guys can go in there, but we can't. And it was like, yeah. Lucas, it's or whatever your name is. We're going to need you to eat some beef on a Friday.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we can't do it. We just, it has to be fish for us now.
2: <laughs> you yeah. can go places that we just can't follow. I, yeah, so like, I love that you've seen the head so, like, his, his son Chaim um, actually became president of Israel. Nice. And he grew up in Dublin. And it's, well, I, 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 I think that's not, we're not saying we support the state of Israel and, on this podcast. But we're not
1: saying we don't support it either.
2: Yeah, we, we'll, we'll, we'll be, very neutral. We, we'll must be, we'll, we'll be careful about that. But uh, I, I just love how, it, like, he became president of Israel and he comes back to Dublin to open a Jewish museum here. And he's a space like, yeah, my dad was in the Ra. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who was not at this stage? Yeah.
1: So. The next scene I think is really great with the uh, the raid on the safe house where they're just flying out through the the windows up. Up onto the roof. It's great, and yeah. Collins is, is torching the whole place. Hmm. And it just it, like it happened so fast, and you know it just shows how how much prepared they were for that eventuality to have people watching, lookouts, and everything ready to go.
2: Well, it was because I mean they 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 had to keep a step ahead, and Collins was like smart enough, to, like up the squad. Yeah, and he was he kind of had his own intelligence operation as well, yeah. and that was kind of the the step he was above them in a sense. Um,
1: I think the next big thing is uh, the prison break.
2: Yeah, the prison break where they're heading off
1: to England. Uh, there was a great quote from it that I actually wrote down because I, I hope this is an actual Collins quote but uh, he says I hate them for making me hate or for making hate necessary yeah. and it's like what a quote I hope that's actually from him I probably should have checked I'm not sure but, uh, but I hope so but it's it's a, a lovely kind of message of how he didn't want to be doing what he was doing yeah. he just wanted Ireland to to be its own country but they were forcing him to do that violence out yeah. of it
2: yeah so he goes so de Valera is he was the leader he's the president of Sinn Féin uh, he's also an MP although yeah. he, he doesn't he, he's a TD he doesn't attend that um. so like the original locked up a member of their own parliament Yeah. who like you know who was a dual citizen of course he is American it's the only reason he's still alive and but then he tricks a priest he, he tricks a priest I love it he, he gets the he gets the key and then like he pushes into like a soft candle and like sends yeah. the candle over so they have a they can make a copy of the key which is brilliant it's genius and like I, the, real, the real parts I love about the prison escape is that like they hop the wall yeah that's
1: probably one of the most famous parts about the whole yeah, thing yeah
2: they, they, they have to like because like Back in the day, you'd have you know you, if you're getting out of prison, you might be missing. Uh, well, I mean,
1: look, prison guards as well. I you was I mean, you might be missing the company yeah. of a
2: lady, and there were certain the ladies, the ladies of the, the night, Belle de Jour, whatever you call them, um, or you know around there. So obviously, they wouldn't make anything if they saw like a girl dressed in a particular way outside the wall. So obviously. If he just top of the wall, like dress him up like uh, you know a tartarizing, as they say in the film. Yeah, this did happen by the way. this, oh, yeah. this is this is accurate. Oh, so
1: good. And then they get into the car, and uh, I think it was either Collins or, or Boland. They were like, "You're the first man to whore for the country." <laughs> <laughs> <Just> <laughs>
2: brilliant, absolutely br- brilliant. Dev goes like, "There are some things even I wouldn't do." For <laughs> Which is brilliant. Um, yeah,
1: so like then they, they they get back to Ireland and they have a fucking parade for him, and it's so good because you can like
2: see the yeah. the the RIC lads watching. They can't do anything because there there's thousands of people. This I don't think this happening quite the scale is in the film, but possibly, but it's still great. Yeah, to see. It, it's just, still it's still nice. like, like we've broke him out of prison, and there's so many people here you cannot
1: touch him oh, because there would be a riot. Yeah, yeah, you, you can't. I mean, so there, aren't, there aren't enough police in the entire
2: country. Pretty hard to people able to be protecting Dev. Well, it, it's like, you know, then Dev's like, he has to go to America to raise funds, which did happen. This yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. We, we talked about this in, in the last one. We talked about it a couple of times. But. Well, we actually briefly talked about it because it was to do with um, the Sinn Féin funds case, like I said, yeah. where they, the, high, the Serene Court said Sinn Féin wasn't Sinn Féin. This is actually when Dev raised all this money and they later brought it to the High Court. So this was actually quite important. It was a very large amount of money they raised. Yeah. Uh, so then, there's another raid on the
1: house, where they're living, mm-hmm. and a uh, so the common theme throughout the movie is Collins and Bolin sleeping in the same bed, and now we have Dev stuck in there as well, <laughs> so three to a fucking bed, the poor bastards, like, yeah. their backs must be broken from, from the amount of sleep and head to foot that they were doing.
2: Yeah, um, but, uh, no, it's fine, they get away anyway, and they yeah. hide them under a car, and it's, you know...
1: Yeah, get them... A- Whisk them away to Very America. much It's a
2: game of cat and mouse. But um I, I suppose at this point you kind of see the change that like you see the thing in the cinema, where like the black and tans are coming over here now. Yeah, yeah. Was, and this is when it changes. Tell, I it, mean it gets much more vicious. Yeah. Everything kind of scales
1: up quite a lot because you have the, the Belfast lads are coming down and they're talking to the the G Man who's turned uh whose name I, Ned I Bray. remember Nebray. And uh they're like, you know, oh, we're, things are changing around here. They get into the car, and then yeah. Bri's walking away. And, and the car up. just fucking blows up. And brilliant. Because, like, brilliant. Cause like <laughs> they seem so imposing. Like, if you're just watching the movie with no uh, knowledge of what is actually yep. happening, you it's see these guys like, oh, my God, these guys are going to fuck Collins up. Yep. It's like,
2: nope, gone. we blew them up. Immediately. Uh, Fucking great. Um that there was no car bomb inside Dublin Castle ever. But it is true that some guys from Belfast were sent down and they didn't they basically were taken care of quite quickly. I know, it's yeah. still funny though. It's still funny. Oh no, like, it's not Yeah. I, mean, I think it's, it's, quite, just, it's burst a great out laughing. It's, a, it's a great scene. It's a, and uh, on a side note to that, if you ever
1: are in a bar and you order an Irish car bomb, go fuck yourself.
2: Yeah. Don't do that. I mean... we said this before, but we'll say it again. Yeah. Don't do that.
1: It's just an awful thing to ask for. Um, you wouldn't do it for any other thing where people died. I, I'm not going to go to a bar in New York no, and say... we're not doing that. I'm cutting that. So anyway... I was going to say Long Island iced tea. I didn't think <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> You mean a three-mile island iced tea?
2: <laughs> hey, closing the <this> <laughs> There we go, we, we saved it. We saved like it. No, it's just like 6 it That's not as bad as I thought it would be. <laughs> God damn it. So uh, then I, I think
1: the as Boland is heading for the train, you kind of get a bit of context of what the difference was between Ireland and America at the time, where Kitty's asking, uh, do American women wear trousers? And I think that's such a, a big thing for them to be asking. Do, it is. Do American women wear trousers? So,
2: it's great. Mad. So. <laughs> Yeah. Um, which is grand, but I you know, then then we kinda get the, the Cairo gang come over here. Yeah. These yeah, now yeah. this now this is true. These were basically the British were like right, we're sending over the black and tans who were special constables to the RIC. These were former soldiers and criminals. And they're called Mm. black and tans because they had mismatched outfits. The tan outfit was a kind of the the British tropical kind of uniform and the black was kind of the RIC's main kind of coat. So it was mismatched. Uh, These people are scumbags. These people are monsters. Uh, They also had the auxiliaries as well who were former officers who were the real masterminds of a lot of the massacres out and across the country. I want to say like, you know, don't joke about the black and tans and shit in this country in particular. That you will get, you know, that's how you get punched in the face. Like,
1: but what if, say... (laughs) The previous government wanted to celebrate the Black and Tans now.
2: Yeah, you Would see... Would that be
1: okay, Rob? That
2: wouldn't be okay, Stu. Oh, I, I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so, no. Fine Gael
1: can go fuck themselves with a very sharpened stick.
2: Yeah. Um, so, like, the choir gang then were kind of like the, the best from the British kind of cops and stuff had, so they yeah. brought them over to kind of fix these things. I can't remember why exactly they're called the Cairo Gang. I think it was something to do with... Well,
1: surely they owned Cairo at the time. And
2: Yeah, I think it was something to do with they'd serve in, like, the foreign service over there or something. I'm not really too sure, but they are led by... Uh, so, led by Charles Dance. Yes. Eighth, and it was... Really underused in this film, as I've said before, but he's such a great presence. Like, he's just like, he's this big, tall, towers yeah. over, you know, Broy, calls him boy, and he's like, it's Broy, Broy, sir. Yeah, it's Broy, is what I said. Yeah. Uh, and he's just such an like, he's just such make, this, like, he's, the the, ba- he's like the bad guy. In it's this always film. just
1: like that, the, the really sharp, angular face just yeah. makes him look so sinister.
2: But he just looks like, like, oh, this is the English guy. This is the main bad guy. Yeah. And And then with the uh, accent, it just really cuts you to the bone. It is like, but it's so, I think it's, he's just perfectly cast as just like the archetypal kind of upper class Brit. And it's just, he is perfect in this. Um, and then of course, you know, the, the Cairo gang, um, you know, start going out these things and they they start going after them. And then Broy slips up. Yeah, and Collins is like trying to plan to take them out, and he's getting busy. Then Broy goes goes to the hotel that they've been told not to go to because Collins knows something is up here. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, and then they catch Broy and while well, he's burning documents. Yeah, and ugh, fuck, actually,
1: he, just before that, yeah. we have the, the quick scene where the cleaner was stealing. Oh no! It's the consoles, uh, yeah,
2: rubbish, and it's like that really helped them he, they get the actual names and addresses of the, the people because they, they, could, like, they couldn't find anything about these guys they're being very careful but they, they do and yeah sorry and then let's say so they're they're planning he's planning to get the squad to go and take care of these guys yeah, and he knows this won, is a yeah. big one because he realised would be retaliations from this they can't have any like no one sleeps in their, their own beds tonight they, like if there's any if a hint of this gets out they're going like, to be lifted as they say yeah, they're going to yeah. be taken and they're, and they're, these guys aren't messing around It they're beating the shite out of people yeah
1: I suppose it kind of it shows how close everything was. Yeah. Like literally to have just someone who was working in the hotel that he was staying in who yep. picked up something out of the rubbish yep. and it just happened to be the names of everyone who was so in the Cairo gang.
2: Then we move on to, um, you know, Bloody Sunday. Sunday, the Bloody first, Sunday. The first Bloody Sunday in Irish yeah. history. Spoilers, there's been quite a few of them and they all seem to involve the British Army killing people.
1: Oh, it's almost like uh, they enjoy making or doing war crimes.
2: Yeah, isn't it? Uh, so anyway, just a good bit. So they get Ned Broy anyway, uh, just to get back to that, and they beat him to death effectively. Now I
1: think in hang they hang him at the end.
2: They well, yeah, but they clearly they beat beaten the yeah yeah. The but but anyway. So anyway, um, this this is one of the more egregious. Like this whole bit is like the most hysterically inaccurate bit in the film, and I'll just say. But so, still in real life, Ned Broy did die right in 1975 of a hanging. Yeah, after he served a long-term as Commissioner of Vanguardia, or our National Police Force. Ned didn't die at this time. He survived the Civil War, ended up going off with De Valera and he he became Commissioner of Vanguardia, our National Police Force. He was actually passed over, he passed over several higher-up ranking people because Deb was like, I need one of my guys after the Civil War, not one of... The common of people. I think it's another one of those artistic licenses where they, they've amalgamated yeah. a couple of people and so they kind of they've just them out of the You see, Broy, story. Broy is a real person and but there, none of the other people who Collins had spying in Dublin Castle were actually caught at all. Yeah. This, so But Broy himself, because he is a real person, yeah. did, did die in seventy five. He was one of the longer lived people who was involved in this actually. He yeah. died the same year as Valera did. Yeah, so anyway, I think back to Bloody Sunday. Yep. Yeah. So they go, the squad go off, and they they kill the members of the Cairo gang in varying different ways. Yeah, and as retaliation. Yeah, this is this is. Uh, they go to Croke Park, which we, we discussed a little bit before. This is yeah. our, one of our national stadium for. We
1: might do it for a uniquely. Irish we might do it
2: actually. Yeah, it's 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 for like our. Our Gaelic sports specifically. So this is like hurling and yeah, so Gaelic we, football. Recently least.
1: that we've allowed other. Yeah, we we talked in. about
2: this a little before, and like when, when we talked about our Irish sports and uniquely Irish in the previous episode. Yeah, 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 So there there was a match taking place at the time. I believe it was Kilkenny and Dublin. I stand to be corrected on that. As always, same two all the time. As if like we're not there. But um, and so the there's a bunch of armored cars come in and start shooting up. The thing yeah. after, like, Joe uh, Hogan, who was the, the footballer who was killed, kicks the ball over and then he gets this machine gunned. Yeah, I mean, it's a dark scene. I mean, it, Jesus. it's hard to watch it knowing, knowing that it actually happened. This, like, this is the scene that makes you, like, say, fuck it, I'm joining the Rats. Yeah. Like, this, like... I mean, if, if they didn't have enough support before,
1: shooting a, a bunch of innocent civilians at a GAA match, that's gonna
2: get you some sign-ups. Now... Okay, this is very historically inaccurate. Now, in the sense that this did happen. This, yeah. this this did happen. Twelve people died, including Michael Hogan, who the Hogan stand in Croke Park is currently named after. This did happen in retaliation to this. And these were completely innocent people watching, you know, hurling... Ma- yeah, sorry, yeah. it was football, I think, actually. Yeah, uh, Apologies. Football. Uh Gaily football. What actually happened was they didn't drive armoured t- uh, pers- like armored cars with like machine guns into the yeah. middle of the pitch. What they did was actually much worse, Stu what they did was they locked all the gates Lovely. barricaded all the gates then they climbed the wall and started shooting in at rifles individually at people and then they prevented you from being able to run out and then if you got out they just beat the shit out of you with their uh, batons yep, so so is that a war crime so, to me yeah you see that is a war crime but of course it wasn't because those weren't soldiers they were special constables all right of course so that awful chapter in our history happened. And then Dev and Harry come back from America. Yeah, that was nice. <laughs> see them back again. It is. and I suppose this is kind of the interesting thing now. They have the cabinet meeting and Dev like stands up and says, oh, the British are willing to negotiate yeah, with us. Yeah, I think
1: this is kind of where you start to see a bit of the
2: disconnect between Dev and Collins. Yeah, and in particular, how Dev is kind of almost, he's been away for a while, and he doesn't really get the way things are because he's talking about, they're willing to negotiate with us, but they yeah. see us as murderers. We have to play by their rules and do like large scale attacks. Yeah, Where, whereas Collins has been going the opposite. He's like, we're not playing
1: by their fucking rules anymore and doing well with it. He's kind of, he's, he's almost become a leader in his own right, whereas he yeah. was kind of underneath. Exactly, so and now.
2: I suppose he's like Colin's tactics have worked with the squad and everything else. Yeah. They're underhand, but this is the way you do it. And Dev wants to do full-scale attacks. And then I like, go, oh, they get to seem like they're escaping out of there, and the Black Intents literally lynch a fucking guy. Like, they literally yeah. hang him, and that's pretty brutal. Um Then you get Dev and Harry go to meet... Uh, sorry, Harry and Collins meet Dev in his house, and they're having a chat, and they talk yeah. about the aftermath. What they're talking about is um the Customs House attack. So this was... When Dev came back from America in in real life, that is, um, he said, "Look, we got to stop with this. We're going to fight them." So they, the, the customs house is a large building in Dublin. It's actually on the Liffey in the north side. It's um currently it's used for our Department of Education and I think our Department of Housing uses it. It's a big building with a big green dome down down the north side of the Liffey. Big building where very little gets done. It's yeah, perfect. yeah, yeah. Um. It's, it's it's very close to Connolly Station. If you, if you go from, like, on the dart out that way, you, you'll always pass by it. So they decided to... This is, like, British use for customs and, like, a bunch of things, and they had a lot there. So Dev was like, right, we're going to do, like, a proper full-scale attack on it. So they had about 200 men attack it. Lovely. Uh, this was a disaster because they weren't used to fighting this way. 80 men were killed, and then the rest were captured. Yeah, yeah, you don't even really see the actual fight. It's you... mostly the you don't it's mostly what they're saying but it, it kind of gets the point across this was a complete disastrous thing this like this change in tactics did not work the British were like like way oh, yeah, like, course, built, yeah. built in there they, they were like ready for these kind of attacks and this, this didn't work and it's even like the, after this scene where you know, Colin says to Dev we can afford to fight for one week after it's because of how much yeah. manpower they've lo- and weapons they've lost yeah. and that was a lot. lie even it yeah. and it's true because we, 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 like, we could do the hit and run tactics we do the flying columns it, fighting them on like a one to one base we could never do that they had you know ten times our population yeah. not not a chance Like, and the thing is the war World War One, is over now and they can, they can bring all that money to us yeah. I mean they're already burning in real life they'd burn Cork City to the ground at this point they'd massacred innocent people they were using human shields against like using like innocent people putting them in front of cars and then shooting into churches they were burning people's houses down they were killing children you know so monsters what we're saying is the Brits not the best bunch of lads no I mean I I don't want to say like you know as we said before we did the foreigner like we're not like this IRA recruitment podcast at all but look it's hard to watch this film and not get riled up in the past they've done some pretty bad stuff
1: yeah and we're not blaming current British people for it no but it needs to be known and at times it's something that they don't learn about.
2: They don't. And the fact that they're still defending uh, soldiers who were in the other is in 1972 in yeah. Derry for, you know, just going on trial because you sh- like 12 like 13 innocent unarmed people didn't just shoot themselves look it happens it happens yeah
1: so uh, <laughs> I suppose then the next big thing is Collins is being sent over to England for negotiations yes now, the, and he believes that it's a bit of a setup that it's going to go badly
2: yeah see now this is the the treaty the, the negotiations at this point the British were like look particularly under a lot of American pressure because like Versailles had just the three Versailles it's not the war in Germany it was very much a case of right we need to put an end to this and it was Northern Ireland had they, they tried to do like a, a, a government of Ireland that tried to do the home rule thing again, but yeah, e- exclude Northern Ireland, where there was like a, a unionist Protestant majority. They had basically become their own functioning country at the time in the north, and they were like, Oh, we're happy with this, actually. And then Ireland didn't. So this was them trying to get some kind of an agreement, and Repu- Republic was never on the cards. That was never going to happen. And Develeir did yeah, that time. Anyway. did like the initial talks, but and he was much more like, Oh, I'm a head of state. Now we had them upgrade his title <laughs> instead of president. Yeah. Doll Air and President of the Irish Republic. So he's like equal with the king. And so, you know, he kind of maybe knew he'd he he could not get it. So he sent over Collins and a, and a few other people as well. Arthur Griffith, who was a uh, founder of Sinn Fein actually, and was president of the Republic after Devil Era. He died shortly before shortly after Collins of a brain hemorrhage, actually. And a few other people like there, Robert Barton, um and a uh, few other people and then will goes with people like Winston Churchill David Lloyd George uh, Lord Birkenhead and yeah who
1: uh, <coughs> I don't think we've really spoken much about but Winston Churchill was basically the mastermind of a lot of the atrocities that yeah. happened
2: in Ireland Churchill was in charge of a lot of these things he he personally kind of sent over a lot of the black and tangs and auxiliaries, so yeah. I mean look we all you can say he what you're... he did
1: during World War Two.
2: yeah but but at the
1: same time that does make him a good person No,
2: it doesn't, and I people like praise like David Lloyd George is one of the greatest prime ministers ever, and it's like, yes, if you want to look at like constitutionally speaking, we talk like about the Parliament Act and all that. Yeah, I can understand that, and his leadership in World War One. However, he sent the Black and Tans and auxiliaries to this country and wouldn't give us peace, and he can fucking you know fuck off. I don't care. Yeah, and the thing about it is like. Collins got this deal, basically. He was basically told this by David Lloyd George, who was the Prime Minister of the UK at the time, that, all right, here's your deal, basically. We're not going to go see it anymore. And George says, I have two letters here. They're addressed to the Prime Minister of Northern Ireland, Um, I, I think was James Craig at the time. He says, one says, I, unfortunately, there is the, going to be a grave and massive war in Ireland tomorrow, starting tomorrow. Like at this point, he's like, I recognise his government machines. Like, I can actually send in the army at this point. Yeah. And the other one was, oh, we've just reached an agreement. And he just says, which one do you want me to send? Because I'm sending one of these now. Like, And Colin's had no choice at that point. that That's kind of yeah, what happened. Yeah, I mean,
1: but, he's forced into it, really. But
2: Colin's going to realise he wasn't going to get the, this Republic and independence that Dev had said. Like, it was, as he says, when he comes back to Devolair, it's the freedom to achieve freedom. And Colin's realised, this was always a stepping stone to independence. Yeah, of course. But uh, then obviously when he comes back, there's a,
1: a bit of a, an argument over it.
2: Yep. And uh, they vote in favour... Of becoming a free state. Yeah, this is this is a, a much like thing of the of the treaty debates that happened. There was actually an election between this, and in, in terms of, like there were pro treaty and anti treaty candidates, both both Sinn Fein who were running here. Yeah. And then they had the debates. It was quite narrow. It was like fifty seven to forty eight, I think, is what it yeah, was down to. Yeah, yeah,
1: but yeah. So obviously it passes, and so Ireland becomes a free state. And
2: Deb decides that he's going to leave and uh, start a civil war. Yeah, I mean, it's, <clears throat> well, by the way, it's nice. it's nice to see they actually use the mansion house, which is the, the Lord Mayor's residence in Dublin, as the actual doll, which would have been correct at the oh, time, yeah. that's where they met, so I thought that was a nice little touch, but they actually got that, that's actually completely accurate. Um, The, uh-huh. the guy that's like really roiling against Collins in the thing uh, is the uh, Gerard McSorley, Father Tadumtius is uh, actually, uh, Karl Brewer is the person he's playing, who was, always was called, the most hardcore, the most rabidly Republican member of the government at the time. Uh, he dies in real life shortly after this. Oh. They like surrounded his hotel, and they're like, "Cal, come out!" And he's like, "Well, I'll come out. I'll come out shooting with a Tommy gun." <laughs> now, that's so, an Irish death edit, if I've ever heard. He did, and it's—he um, actually had the the words that are later attributed to Boland in the film. His last dying words were allegedly, um, "Did they get Mick Collins yet?" Oh fuck! So that was. <laughs> there was a man that yeah. went out swimming. <laughs> Yeah, but even like the a bit of praise for the
1: directing again is like you have Collins giving a speech, great and dev speech. giving a speech, and so it's like cut between the
2: two. So you have like the opposing speeches that yeah. they're both giving. And it's very it's very well done. I mean, it is it is very well. Like Rickman and Neeson can give great you know performances you yeah know? they were re- like you can talk about we can talk about kind of Rickman's performances dev I suppose a little bit if you want but look I mean obviously it's it's, it's a little odd. it gets like rust. I think it, I think it's very weak particularly when we'll get to it subsequently but I I, I think it's the man was a mystery so he yeah played a- He comes across, like, he just comes across as, like, this is obviously a very pro-Michael Collins film being called Michael Collins. But Dev is, like, really shown as being weak and lacking leadership. And whether you think that or not, I'd be kind of inclined to think he kind of messed up the Civil War is not all his fault, but a good chunk of it is. Yeah. He did become, like, you know, Shook and, like, President of Ireland afterwards, like, much later. And, you know, the famous quote at the end of the film, I fear that, you know, Michael Collins' greatness will be at my expense. Yeah, just kind of, just true. He did it, some it, good stuff, he did some bad stuff. Um, I suppose then we, we kind of get the, 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 the real start of things where, you know, we get the handover at Dublin Castle. Yes. Which is, a, which is a great thing. Is like you're seven minutes late. Like, oh, I, you know, yeah, even you, every you've 700 kept, you, you years, kept, you can have no, your seven it, minutes. Uh,
1: you've kept us waiting 700 years. You can keep, take her seven minutes.
2: I suppose the interesting thing here is, so this is Dublin Castle, which we see earlier in the film. And this guy with the big fancy hat is, he's the, the Lord Lieutenant of Ireland. And he, he was like the, the king's personal representative here, effectively he, the, the nominal head of the British yeah. in Ireland. And this this is kind of the interesting thing here. So Collins. Is uh, being sworn in as the uh, chairman of the provisional government. So, as far as the British were concerned, he is the prime minister of yeah. the Irish Free State until we get everything sorted. Like, yeah, yeah, take. We'll go, there was basically a year, a year long process of right. We're going to get our soldiers out, and we're going to get everything kind of handed over to you and stuff like that. And so there was kind of so he's like kind of this is like a temporary government. This was separate from the Irish Republican government and the right. British administration. So there actually were three separate governments here at the same time. The, the three governments. Yep. There we go. And the best thing is they were actually three separate parliaments as well. <laughs> it gets it gets messier, but they were, they were all the doll. But some of them included Unionists and some didn't. Anyway, I won't get into it. So from the from League perspective here, so, this is, so from the Irish perspective, this was Collins as a member, as, as the head of the army and as sent by Arthur Griffith who was this time the president of the Irish republic uh sur- accepting the surrender of the british from uh, dublin castle from from the head from like that's general macready's mind the head of the army there from the british perspective this was the governor general kissing hands is the the term they use uh, basically same saying. Oh, I met Mister Collins. I'm now appointing you as the effective the prime minister on behalf of the king. Right. So it was the two different perspectives. So that's what they took from this meeting. And this actually did happen in real life. But like Collins would even say, "Oh, yeah, he they surrendered. I took it over." Where uh, Fitzwilliam, he was the very the only Catholic, the first Catholic Lord Lieutenant since the Reformation, was like saying, "Oh, yeah, I swore him in as prime minister. That's all grand." So they're both leaving, saying, "We both won." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I think is quite funny. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um. Then we get to kind of the big bit where the the four courts, which you may remember from our previous review, yeah, the thing that I kind of confused with a different part of you the, did, yeah. So, so this gets seized then by a, a, basically the the anti-Treaty IRA. Now they, don't, yeah. they haven't done anything yet, but I, I suppose like this this is this was always like the centre of the courts in Ireland, and this kind of caused a big issue because we're just after becoming independent, and then the British are like, did your major courts in the middle of your capital city just get taken over by rebels? And Collins is literally rightfully. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, I know they're just having a bit of a crack. Like they're no, just having maneuvers. Small
1: fire over there. No, it's just, it's he's
2: just like, ah, they're just practicing maneuvers. You know, they're just having a bit of crack. And then, you know, basically, St. Lloyd George was basically like, you know, I still have a load of soldiers there. If you can't sort this out, I will. And he's like, ah, so there's nothing happening. And then, like, nothing. He's like, all right, and everything was going fine in real life too. Until one day, it was they, the <laughs> when they, they're they sending more people over. And I was like, is that J.J. J. O'Connell, the general in the the Free State Army? It is. Call him over here. Tell him I want to say hi to him. He's like, oh, Liam, how are you? Put a gun in his face. You're a prisoner. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> and then, very polite. Very polite. So, so then... <laughs> Henry Wilson, who was a Unionist MP in Northern Ireland, he'd previously been a general in the First World War for the British Army. He was kind of Irish. He had, like, land over here, but, he, you know, he was, like, a Unionist, yeah, yeah. like, a very much, you know, not a popular person, the Irish thing. He was coming out of a war memorial in Liverpool Street Station, I believe, you have actually seen the memorial, and uh, two lads walked up and shot him. Two Irish lads. So yeah. at this point, David Lloyd-George says, I'm going to send you some artillery. If you don't sort this right now with your your stuff in the forecourts, I am going to send my men to do it for you. Yeah. And at that point, you're not independent anymore. So you kind of see this in the film where Collins and they talk about it, but that's sort of what happened in real life. Collins had to do this or else the British were oh, going yeah. mean, it, it was all over then, I
1: suppose we we'll kind of might just skip ahead to the end since it yeah, there's a few bits that happened in between. But just you know, to just, say to, Harry kinda, just to say and... your
2: your point earlier that th- when they shelled the four courts, this was the destruction of a lot of our old. The, the, the old records office was there too. This was destroyed. So like a lot of our yeah. old censuses, we had things going back to the 15th century. We're yeah, all things that we kind of find out about our ancestors. <laughs> yeah, which kind of sucks. But sure, what ha- can you do? Harry Boland dies anyway. Yeah. um Trying to yeah. escape from yeah. the forecourts, courts. And he tried to swim out in the river and he gets shot and Collins has like a tear-filled thing with him. That didn't exactly happen in real life. Yeah, look, Boboel did die during that, but we won't say. Uh, shout out to my favourite pub and Dublin, the palace, which is there when oh, the yeah. two guys... Uh, did you recognise the young volunteer? Who tells him to go to West Cork?
1: I wasn't sure. No, I wasn't paying. Uh, his Father Cyril McDuff. Oh, right. I, I, yeah. too many
2: of my notes. I, 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 just recognise it. That's that's Cyril. Um. So then they, he's told to go down to West Cork to meet Dev. Now another historical note: Dev probably wasn't down in West Cork at this point. there the is disasters. No evidence whatsoever to suggest he was anywhere near Collins when he got shot. It, it like in, in the film, like it's literally he's there, like crying behind a veil. Yeah, a, be be a bit more emotional. It is, and Collins goes down the. Anyway, meets a few young fellows. Like this is where he's from. Like he's at like, my old people won't kill me. And then basically, you know, he's told go out to bail in the blah uh, it's Irish. It means mouth, mouth of flowers, is what it yeah. translates as. And then you know things. Yeah, they block the road, and there's guys with their guns, and well, he gets shot. Ned. Yeah, I mean that—that's pretty much accurate as far as I could tell. Anyway, there is no the... official report of what happened when he died. I mean, we just have like from people. So what you're like... saying is he might still
1: be alive. Yeah, interesting. He's
2: 153, he'd be. I, I think. look. I don't know. It, no better man. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so I mean, we're kind of skipping over this part because it's the sad part because like this is contrast like him driving down there shooting back as contrast with a kitty going up in the lift and getting her wedding dress fitted because they were getting married we, we kind of skipped over the romantic subplot here to kind of talk about history and I yeah, think, I I mean, think look, it's because it's, that's the weakest part of the film being brutally honest it's
1: there I mean I think Rob said it earlier maybe I just asked him beforehand but it's not
2: entirely accurate that there was the, the love triangle yeah I mean Kitty in real life was engaged to him and she, you know, she didn't remarry afterwards, yeah. I, I don't believe. but well, that's um, Harry
1: was dead as well, so I mean, mm, no one left in the triangle.
2: So, it is, but it's, um, I I think like Judy Roberts doesn't do a bad job, but I think, I feel, you have to have Katie in the film, I think, but I think it was really just putting her in there when she was kind of at the height of her fame.
1: Yeah, I think putting in an Irish actress might have made a bit more sense.
2: I understand. Was it, this was trying to be sold to Hollywood. And the, I suppose that the, the spoiler is like, this didn't really do well in Hollywood. It did massively well in Ireland, but yeah, it didn't course. It didn't really work in Hollywood. So, Neeson was kind of an unknown at the time. He wasn't really too prominent. This is before Star Wars and way before tape. Excuse me. And, um, you know, you didn't really have too many other bankable stars there. I mean, so... Yeah. But I, I, it, I suppose, I suppose you, you, you needed someone, but I, I think overall she doesn't do a bad job. Yeah. Uh, to kind of broadly talk about Rickman as Devil Valera, he portrays him very weakly. R- really, really kind of as this weak, meek kind of character. And I, I understand, like, Dev isn't going to be portrayed strongly, and this is we kind of said earlier. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think that's it. But, um but yeah, so Collins meets his sad end... Shot by the
1: the young man who's working for Dev in the head.
2: Probably not what happened. Was, I know, but there, there's plenty.
1: There's plenty. Of, about there's plenty the of conspiracy
2: now. theories. Like there's any yeah. There's a bunch of conspiracy theories, like ala JFK about who shot Collins. Was some people say it was Dev personally?
1: It was the babushka and the grassy knoll.
2: Yeah, some people are saying like there. This was like a, a British like sniper assassin that was sent there for some inexplicable reason. I, I don't think reasons. it matters too much. Yeah. I think
1: the the most important part for Ireland as a whole is that he was shot and killed.
2: And things potentially change quite a lot from what things would have been. Oh, yeah. Was.
1: And so then kind of the, the final notes of the film are really the kind of it's historically accurate footage from... That was his funeral. Yeah, his, it was, was funeral, a massive, and, massive funeral. And a bit of a, a, a crawl of, of things that happened after his death. Hmm. How many people went to the funeral and stuff like that? Yeah. So, well that's yeah.
2: that's all about right. I mean, I, I think the important thing to say here is, you know, this film, as we said, isn't historically inaccurate in a lot of places, but the broad message is, you know, Collins really made a massive difference in our struggle for independence and Oh yeah, we wouldn't be the country we are. No, we wouldn't. And it, it you know, read up about this yourself. I think seven step both said there's a fantastic, although very one sided documentary made in seventy three. Um by uh, Richard Griffiths, I think, uh, Hang Up Your Best Colours. Yeah. Which is, it's just like him being a massive Welsh nationalist just saying how great Collins was and like these pieces to camera. It's very, very well done. And there's a bunch of other documentaries about him. You've got Ireland's greatest um, with his grandnephew of of one of his contemporaries, our former uh, Deputy Prime Minister, Michael McDowell, makes the case he's the greatest Irish person ever. And um, he was against like Bono and... You know Mary Robinson's oh. not not quite the same don't level. Tell me about a one, I, I think Mike think... Collins did actually. Yeah, win of in course. That case. But um, there's there's a bunch of other things as well. I mean, I'd also recommend watching the actual. There's a. I have the DVD of this film. That's what I watched it on. Um, Neil Jordan has a bit in it about the making of, talking about the historical inaccuracies in it and yeah. why he changed these things. I'd actually say watch it because he has justification for a lot of them. I don't think it's it doesn't come from like an ill-informed place it comes from a well-meaning place, and I, I still yeah, think there's course. always a danger when you're making a film like this. Yeah, about... be a bit of movie magic there. Yeah. So I think at the end, anyway, crock of Gold for me. Crock of Gold? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. We've we discussed album. for the last however long Hour uh, and a half. why it's a of Gold, so I don't think we need to reiterate. Yeah, we've, um, this is probably be one of our longer ones, but I think I suppose it's when you get something passionate about yeah. Ireland like this, we're going to have to talk.
1: Yeah. So next week, we're going to do something completely different. I have a An idea for just changing it up a bit, doing something uh, that I hope people will find interesting and will actually sound well,
2: but uh, we'll find out next week. We're we're doing the sequel to Michael Collins, uh, Michael Collins 2, where he goes up into space with Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong. Oh, well, look, it has to be done. Someone needs to to speak the truth. Uh, I did love, just as this, as light aside, um, you know, there's other people called Michael Collins. There's, there's currently, um, one of the judge in our Supreme Court, one's in a bit of trouble. So we got a, a senior counsel, a barrister in to help him called Michael Collins. Uh, and so also, and also the current mayor of Limerick's do is Michael Collins it? as well. He should be. <laughs> Same Michael Collins. I told you he didn't die. He's just moving around very fast. <laughs> anyway so thanks very much guys this is probably one of the longer ones I think we've done yeah because we we, we really got into this as you'll probably be able to tell um, but thanks very much uh, tell a friend about this please Uh, leave a review about this we'd love to hear what you think about particularly Irish history in this case we have a maybe a slightly biased view but we would happy to hear any feedback we can only give our own perspective and our own knowledge really but uh, tell a friend uh, how great we are of course oh, yeah. uh, best, give us best a,
1: Irish podcast you've ever listened to that comes from the room that we are currently in
2: yes and uh you know and give us a shout out on twitter at blarneypod emails email us at talking at gmail.com yep. one word of course
1: any suggestions you have uh any ideas for future episodes if you have any uh queries uh you know if you want us to just shout you out for being a, a listener we can do that as well yeah absolutely uh, i think that's pretty much it from both of us so yeah. we'll see you next week
2: take care good night and goodbye